Today's program was brought to you by Fiji Water and Patina Events at Brooklyn Botanic Garden, an idyllic location for weddings, corporate events, and parties of any style. Visit us at patinaevents.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome to Why Food Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jenny Dorsey. And I'm Ethan Frisch. And this is episode two, season five. Season five. Season five. I don't even know how that happened. Thank you for sticking with us all these past one and end a <laughs> uh, little bit of a season. Um, as if for new listeners, as well as our faithful old listeners, um, our podcast is about career changers who have changed careers into the food, beverage, hospitality industry and uh, taken a new adventure in their lives. So today we are so excited to welcome Yana Gilbuena of the Salo series. Salo series. Salo series. Salo series. I'm sorry. <laughs> Literally, I just asked her and then I was got super nervous. Okay, Salo series. Uh, she's a traveling nomadic chef who's been hosting incredible Filipino dinners across the globe. Yana, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Jenny and Ethan, for having me. It's a beautiful summery day in Brooklyn. Finally. Yeah. Um, so we always start our podcast with the same question for everyone. Um, what was your aha moment that really inspired you to get into food? You had a lot of careers before. Um, and now mm-hmm. this is this is kind of like a totally new career. No one else, at least I know of, is doing what you do. So, yeah, how did you uh, become this person? I think my aha moment was um, when I got laid off. It's <laughs> always fun. Out of necessity. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like fight or flight. But um, essentially, like, I was doing pop-ups anyway, just kind of like a, like a side hustle or a creative outlet. And when I got laid off from my real job like I was at a crossroads and I was like okay I can apply in the same industry and get another job and do this for another seven years what industry was that um I was in furniture design okay yeah what kind (laughs) of furniture design oh I did everything from mid-century modern um to custom furniture um, to like really organic to outdoor furniture. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the design field was kind of like, or interior design field was like where I was. And I figured I was like, okay, this is a totally completely different, I would say like industry. And I've never cooked for like people professionally. <laughs> <laughs> I've always cooked for myself, but like, you know, to get paid for cooking something. I was like, oh, I've never done that. So I was like, you know what? Let's just see how this goes. <laughs> when, when was that? How long ago was that? Um, this was, I would say, May of 2013. Oh, wow. Yeah. And and um, is that... Well, I want to talk more about sort of what it means to be a nomadic chef. or How, how do you describe your, your lifestyle? Um, pretty much I travel like every week to a different city and do a pop-up. Okay. So, I mean, I didn't plan on doing that. It was like, (laughs) one of those things where I told told one of my friends that I was like, okay, I got laid off, so 
what do I do? And I was like, I kind of want to take a sabbatical, you know, like I was like kind of having this existential crisis or whatever. And um, he was like, well, there's 50 states and there's 50 weeks. And I was like, okay, that sounds very doable. <laughs> <laughs> Easy peasy. That's what I did last year, too. <laughs> I'm like, you know, 50. It's not 100. It's just 50. <laughs> and so which state did you start in? Um, I started in Florida. Okay. Yeah. Why I, Florida? Well, one of my friends, uh, Mark, who is like a, a friend here in Greenpoint, moved to Key West and he's a bartender there. And so I was like, oh, what better way to like start the tour than to do it in Key West and visit a friend too. So, And uh, for those of our listeners who might not be familiar with your dinners, can you tell us um, the format of the dinners, um, what they're called, and, and how the dinner plays out? Okay. Um, so this is fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I do Filipino Kamayan dinners. Um, and Kamayan is the act of dining on banana leaves with your hands. So there's like a distinction between like boodle fights because like boodle fights are technically like the food is all there right on the table. And yes, you still eat with your hands. But in, at my dinners, at least like course it out. Mm. So you get like a first course, second course. So it's not just like all these flavors just like eh, just melting into each other. <laughs> and, and what do you serve? What Give us some examples of dishes or courses. So the whole um, concept was to um, expand people's knowledge about Filipino cuisine. And I wanted to show them what Filipino food is regionally because we have 7,107 islands. That's, uh, yes. oh yeah, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to showcase like regional Filipino food and not just like your normal, you know, staples like adobo, pancit, and lumpia. Mm -hmm. So um, since I grew up there and I was like in a, in a different island and I kind of traveled like throughout the Philippines because I was a mountaineer as well. So that's how oh. I got. <laughs> Whoa, wait. Whoa, I know. We, we have a lot to talk yeah. about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of how like I got familiar with like the different regions in general. And I got inspired because like here in New York, like despite being such a melting pot of cuisines and cultures, like Filipino food was still not as prevalent. Mm -hmm. Like you couldn't order it on Seamless like that. That's my um, yeah. And so during my dinners, like I would serve like really unheard of things. Like at that time, no one really knew what sisig was mm -hmm. until Anthony Bourdain like just blew it up. Thanks, <laughs> Tito Anthony. You know, <laughs> but um, other things too, like um, like different kinds of adobo. So there's like adobo with coconut milk or with turmeric. Um, and then Mindanaoan cuisine, which is like on the southern part of the Philippines, which is like completely uncharted territory because it's it has an influence of Islam. So mm. the rest of the Philippines is Catholic, but the south mm. is predominantly Muslim. And so is there like more lamb in that cuisine? We unfortunately don't have lamb. We have goat, mm. a lot of goat, a lot of seafood, a lot of chicken. And then they do a lot of like burnt coconut which is amazing. Hmm. I'm like, wow. wow. <laughs> so what? what's the Filipino cuisine that, that we have access to in New York? What part of the Philippines does that come from? Or where does that, what's that culinary tradition? That would be more Luzon. So that's more Northern Filipino. Because um, what I noticed, like a lot of Filipino immigrants that come to New York specifically are from 
like the Manila or like the mm-hmm. Luzon region. And so they bring with them like Ilocano cuisine, for example, is like it's very prevalent like here, especially in New York. So their flavor profiles are like predominantly like vinegary mm-hmm. and spicy and all that stuff. But yeah. Is, would that be the same of the Filipinos that have the Filipino cuisine that you find in like Daily City outside San Francisco? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that would be the same too. Um, there's not a lot of people, let's say, from my region, like in the Visayas uh, and Mindanao too. So it's when whenever I do meet people from these regions, I'm like, hi, <laughs> can we be friends? <laughs> so, so how did you learn to cook all of these these, uh, I don't know, different dishes, sort of esoteric uh, culinary styles and, and traditions. I would say I have to thank my grandmother for that because um, ever since I was a kid, like she was very um, adamant about me learning how to cook. She was kind of like doomsday-ish in the sense that she was like, I'm not going to be around forever. So you have to learn how to fend for yourself. It's very forward thinking. <laughs> forward thinking. Not yeah. Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, you know, she was like, you have to be self-sufficient because you can't rely on other people to, like, do things for you. So um, ever since I was, like, maybe three or four, like, she would take me to the markets and then she would show me, like, all the fresh produce and then we would pick all the, you know, whatever meats and veggies that we would cook for the day and then I would basically be in the kitchen with our cooks. And then she was like, you're going to stay there until, you know, yes, I was a five-year-old with a knife. And, and do you think she was doing it because she wanted you to be able to take care of yourself? Or was there also some kind of like passing on of a, of a cultural culinary tradition? I think, to be honest, like... My grandma was just like old and she didn't have energy for me. Like, I don't want to chase my, tire my you granddaughter. Out. She was like, do something productive with your endless energy. And I think being in the kitchen is going to be good for you. Um, but also, yes, to like knowing tradition because I'm like, I'm up to now, like, I still credit like our cooks who has, who have like taught me so much. Like, we didn't have a gas a gas stove in the Philippines. Like, I had to build a fire, you know, That's to crazy. start cooking. And there so. was no, like, you know, Dura Flame fire starter, you know? No, no. <laughs> we had to buy charcoal, <laughs> and I had to fan it out until, you know. Yeah. So how do you uh, acknowledge those, that, that training that you had mm-hmm. and, and those traditions and that style of cooking in the dinners that you do now? I mean, I try to, like, really tell people, like, what I do is not, um, I would say it's not like super refined Filipino, but it's more of like a home cooking Filipino. And these are dishes that every, everyone eats, like they're mm-hmm. dishes for the masses. Like we don't eat lechon every day in the Philippines. <laughs> like contrary to popular belief, like <laughs> that would be that that could, life. But. Yeah. I mean, you know, but I lived in a coastal, um, island. So, or in actually like a city. So what we ate mainly were a lot of fish and mm-hmm. seafood. And for us, lechon was like a special occasion thing. Like you're graduating from college. Let's kill <laughs> a pig. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, when you said when you started, people weren't really familiar with this kind of cuisine. What was the initial reaction to the first few dinners that you hosted? Oh my God. Um, there is like so many reactions that's one because a like just eating with your hands in general was like really like 
throwing people off. And then they're just like, what? Are there rules to eating with your hands? Oh, definitely. Okay. Like there's a there's a whole etiquette of like um, you only eat with your dominant hand, but you serve yourself with your non-dominant hand. Oh. So there's no like sharing cooties. <laughs> so like the hand that goes into your mouth is not the hand that's Touching that's reaching eyes. into the communal platter. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> and then we encourage everybody to share, obviously, because it's like it's the best way to eat, mm-hmm. you know? Like, you can't just have your own plate. <laughs> How far into the 50-state... You, you finished the 50-state tour long ago. Yeah, it was done in 2015. So now now where are you in your tour? What, Where are you doing these, these dinners? Um, so after the 50 states, I did a Canadian tour, too. So I did, like, eight provinces in Canada. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Were they more or less familiar with Filipino food than Americans? Actually, they were because, funny enough, there's a lot more Filipinos and a stronger Filipino community hmm. in Canada than, really? I would say, in America. <laughs> That's incredible because it's so cold up there. It is. And I'm just like, what brought you guys here, yeah. you know? Um, but because of, I don't know, extreme weather situations, I guess, like they all just like found each other and totally bonded and created their own like micro community mm-hmm. and they're so like well connected and super supportive of like other Filipinos like they were so excited I was like what like Nova Scotia Filipinos <laughs> you know it's like yes Winnipeg <laughs> yeah, that's amazing um so when you were doing these dinners and people first started getting to know the cuisine like yes. what were the main things that you were trying to teach people or that common misconceptions or just things that they straight up didn't know or understand? Well, I I tried to, like, every time I I would bring out a dish, I would explain where it's from, why is it cooked this way, um, and the history of the dish. Because most of the time, people just take it for granted, like, a dish is a dish. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, okay, you know that we were influenced a lot by, like, colonization, but not only colonization, but also trading prior Mm. to colonization. Like, we traded with the Arabs, the Indians, the Malaysians, the Indonesians, all Chinese, Japanese. And, mm-hmm. you know, these factors, like, definitely contributed to how our cuisine was shaped. So, like, the fermentation of fish and shrimp came from Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, influence of noodles, definitely China. The introduction of using coconuts was definitely Malaysian and Indonesian. Using of spices was... Arabs and curries were Indian. <laughs> so, so what's Filipino? So Filipino is pretty much the amalgamation of all <laughs> those things. <laughs> so bring them all together in a pot. That's I hate the word fusion, but it is the original fusion. <laughs> is, is there an indigenous or, or maybe several indigenous Filipino cuisines? Yes. Um, so there's a lot, especially in the mountain regions. Um, so there's one where you cook with goat's bile. Um, mm. There's a dish called... What does that taste like? Bitter as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and also very vinegary. Huh. Yeah. So bitter and vinegar. That, that was the flavor profile. Um, and then there's also like chicken that's been beaten before it is, you know, cooked. Is the live chicken beaten or the dead chicken is beaten? Sorry, Fima. <laughs> um, but it's a live chicken. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, like, um, but it's like because they want the the what do you call it the blood to coagulate. Huh. Um, so once the blood has coagulated, 
like that's when they kill the chicken and then the coagulated blood in the chicken is another layer of flavor huh. yeah so there's definitely those and then there's um ferment like not fermented but like yeah, I, I think it's like meat that's been packed with rice mm. and then buried underground. Um, underground. So we have those. <gasps> that's so interesting. So it's like the the koji or the like the, yeah, the yeah, very yeah. trendy rice bacteria <laughs> yeah. fungus that's that's you can age steak with. Yeah, yeah. getting yeah. more popular now. Yeah. They've been doing it in They've the Philippines for a long, long time. time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what about like gathering all these ingredients in all the places that you went? Was that challenging? It was very challenging. <laughs> like, even finding banana leaves was, like, challenging. Why, you know? do you, why do you need banana leaves? Because that's our plates. Okay. Those are the plates, cool. and your hands are your utensils. Um, I refuse to, like, have, like, any sort of, like, tableware or linens. <laughs> and then most of the people that have come to my dinners are just, like, shocked. They're just like, really? And But when they, like come and eat they're like ah, oh, i get it now you know so um who comes to your dinners um it's a good mix like i'm very happy that there are some filipinos some filipino americans and like just people who are generally generally curious about filipino food yeah and when you source uh, from all the different states that have specialties do you try to incorporate some of the you know the states like crabs or down the state's bounty oh definitely i always try to cook what is local and seasonal during the time that i'm there um partly because i want people to keep cooking filipino food even after i'm gone mm -hmm. so if they see that i can cook filipino food with what they've got hopefully they're going to be inspired and start exploring you know because sometimes it deters people when let's say they can't find bitter gourd you know, and they're like, uh, I guess I'm not making the dish now because I don't have bitter gourd. But if you can give them like a substitute or something that's close to it, mm -hmm. then therefore they're like, oh, OK. You know, I'm more encouraged to like use something local that is accessible to me. So I've, I've seen there's been a significant debate. I don't know, going on about substitutions, right? Yes. Like, I know Jenny has some feelings <laughs> yes, about substitutions. Yeah, <laughs> um, maybe Jenny should ask this question instead of me. Well, yeah, I mean, I think there's it's a fine line, right? Because you, you want to encourage people to understand your cuisine, but yes. also just because of where people are situated, sometimes they don't have access and yes. you still want them to try it. So, yes. like, how do you balance that line of, like, authenticity that's, like, strict and true, yes. but also just, like, authentic, um, that's, like, is it, are we just being authentic for the sake of being authentic versus like actually spreading the cuisine in a way that is still respectful and not like, Oh, well you can make Chinese food if you just have soy sauce. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, I think that's a great question because, um, authenticity is always like kind of like this thing or like this shtick, especially with like unknown cuisines <laughs> or like lesser known cuisines, you know? But I feel like, I take authenticity with as the way you're telling your story. So whatever your story is, like if you were born in the Philippines and came to America, how can you translate that story into your food? Mm -hmm. um, and obviously like the whole thing at uh, in Ugly Delicious where they were like, oh, if you want authentic pizza that is Napoleon, Neapolitana or whatever, your cheese has to come from this farm mm -hmm. over there. The flour has to come from there. And it's hard when your country is like 
I don't know, thousands of miles away. Yeah. You can't be like, oh, this is going to be authentic Filipino cuisine because obviously you're not going to get the same fish, the same rice, the same, you know, everything. Even though there are available products that you can buy on the market. Um, but for me, authenticity translates into like what you have that is accessible, but at the same time retaining the flavor profiles that um, is what makes that dish so unique. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how, how does the, the home cook, somebody who came to one of your dinners but has never been to the Philippines and doesn't have a lot of exposure to Filipino cuisines outside of the, the yeah. food that you fed them, <laughs> but like, you know, I want to recreate your, I don't know, give me an example. What's the like, dish that you make? Seasig, uh, for example. Sure. So yeah. I want to recreate your seasig, but I can't find pig's ears. Yes. So what, what do I do? What do I do? And 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 is it okay? Like, what's the? This is something we talk a lot right. about. With at with what part do you say guests, like this is right. not okay? You right. cannot just put some chicken in here and call it a day. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, uh, to be honest, like it's it's funny that you, you brought brought up like the whole like I don't have pig's ears, but I still want seasig because most of the seasig that's out there especially in seasick tacos or all these stuff, is not pig's face. <laughs> yeah, wait, maybe <laughs> could like, we pause for a second and tell us what seasick is? Okay. Yeah. So seasick is a dish that is like a puluta, and that means like it's something that you eat when you're drinking. So it's oh. kind of like the original Filipino bar food. Um, and it was born out of the fact that we don't like to waste an animal. So how can we make use of the head? And the best way to do it is... Fry it with garlic. Chop it up into tiny little yeah, pieces. Yeah, tiny little pieces with like a shit ton of garlic, soy sauce, Thai chilies, and calamansi, which is like a Philippine lime, and make it so that every time they eat this dish, they want to drink more. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> but you literally use the entire pig's head, brains and all, in the traditional way. And the brain is what makes it creamy. Mm. So other... Other people have started doing, like, putting an egg on it mm-hmm. or, like, mayo mm-hmm. to achieve that creaminess that the brain would normally um, impart on in the dish. So, like, a lot of the seasick that I know, like, people use pork butt or <laughs> pork shoulder that's just been marinated in soy and vin- um, calamansi so that it's, like, packed with flavor. But if you already have, like, the pig's face or the pig's head, like the flavor just like soaks in like really fast so you don't have to do so so to the authenticity question i don't know at what point have you have lost, lost touch, yeah right, with well, the original seasick <laughs> philosophy oh my god i mean i'm going to cut everyone some slack and i'm like <laughs> as long as the flavors are there you know i'm like you can call it seasick as you want because i've actually made a vegan and vegetarian version of it no uh-huh. Oh, with with, yeah. with what? With woodier mushrooms, shiitake mushrooms, and oyster mushrooms Ooh. to kind of emulate the different parts of the pig um, with the different textures of the mushrooms. Interesting. And yeah. it has some of that meaty flavor as well. Exactly. And mm. it caramelizes similarly in the, to mm. the way that... Uh, it kind of looks similar too. If you yeah. like kind of... Right. Yeah. From afar, yeah. <laughs> so, you know... Again, like, I, I feel like food is like art. Like, as long as you know the basics, you can definitely jazz it up. 
but you can't fuck up the flavor profile. <laughs> <laughs> um, so while traveling, do you have any um, particularly good or bad stories from any of the places you've been? Oh, God. Um, so many. <laughs> um, there are some definitely bad ones, you know, um, and then there are some like really amazing notable ones. So, so so tell us one 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 of each. A dinner yeah. that fell flat and a dinner that went way beyond what you expected. <laughs> um okay, a dinner that fell flat. Um I'm sorry, North Dakota. <gasps> <laughs> but I always use North Dakota because it's like out of all my dinners, it was like the super like low attendance. It was like mm-hmm. four people. Oh, that's uh, tough. And I, I know I chose Bismarck too, not Grand Forks or like Fargo. Yeah, I don't know where that is. So <laughs> Bismarck is on the other side of North Dakota, <laughs> closer to Montana. And what, what was the? How did those four people react to the food that you served? Actually, it's kind of funny because one of the people that attended was um, a green Greenpeace, mm-hmm. um, or, or sorry, Peace Corps mm. um, person. And then she went to the Philippines during the martial law period back in the 70s. And as soon as, basically, she got off the plane and they were like, you can't be here as a white woman because the president just, you know, announced martial law. So. (laughs) So what did she do? So she ended up, like, being shuttled to, like, this, like, um, family's house that would, like, take her in. And she stayed there for like a couple of years. During a the couple mar- of years. Yeah, because she she was like, I'm on a mission, you know, <laughs> like I'm here for the Peace Corps and all that stuff. I'm supposed to be here. And then she stayed, but you know, she, she was there as a witness to like how martial law really affected the Philippines. So she, she gave us a lot of like stories. Like basically, the whole dinner was like her recounting stories. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah, that was really random in North Dakota, but I was like, I'm so happy that you're here because you have this like connection to the Philippines. That and doesn't, even, that yeah. doesn't sound like a dinner that felt Yeah, flat. even that with like low attendance, that sounds very interesting. Yeah. I mean, yeah, low attendance. But <laughs> aside from that, it's great. Are there Have there been dinners where people didn't like the food or had had negative reactions maybe to eating with their hands no oh amazing that's great because <laughs> people are I'm I mean I think the people pessimist. who self-select is um, to come to your dinners they're like they open. already know yeah. yeah they're just like and and I did have one diner once in DC who was like asking for a fork and a knife <laughs> and I was like where is that person <laughs> I'm like show me and they were like that one over there and I went to the guy and I was like, look around you. <laughs> Everyone is eating with their hands. Do you want to ruin the experience for them? Mm-hmm. And if you are, I'm going to refund you right now. Good. Just go. <laughs> and, he was like, and what did he say? He was like, it's okay. I'll stay. <laughs> I still want to eat all this good food. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, I give you two choices. You can leave or you can eat with your hands. What, Get over it. what is it about eating with your hands that that is so important to you and is so uh, special to Filipino cuisine? I think eating with your with my hands anyway is just like so sensual. Mm. You know, like food for me is very sensual. Like you smell it, you see it, you taste it, you feel it. Um, and it invokes a lot of memories. Like 
it's I mean I grew up actually like my grandma was very I would say proper because like she was of Spanish descent mm-hmm. and so she was like no I, I grew up like going to etiquette school for <laughs> you know but she was like you need to learn like how to eat the proper way um, but I would always see like our cooks like eating with their hands and just having like a really good time with it and I'm just like here I am like standing uh, like sitting up straight with like super rigid with my fork and my knife while they're out there and just like feet up on the chair and just like grubbing and <laughs> and I swear like the first time I ate with my hands I was like I felt so liberated you know and I was like this is how food needs to be enjoyed you know like you can feel it like how hot it is like how cold something is and how slippery how sticky how I don't know all these like things that we take for granted because mm-hmm. your sense of touch is is another sense yeah. and it's part of the dining process um, and I really wanted to share that with people in a sense that we eat a lot of things with their hands we eat french fries tacos pizza right but how is it that you know when someone is dining with their hands with like rice and like all these like meat and all of that stuff suddenly it's a savage uncultured thing Mm -hmm. you know so i kind of wanted to just like dispel that notion and be like no it's natural and it's instinctual you Mm -hmm. know like it's part of you like when you were a baby you ate with your hands too you know (laughs) it's like um why deprive yourself of that and also i feel like we've become so disconnected with our food like everything is packaged you don't even like see how things are being slaughtered you know and cut and now we just expect things to be so sterile and when you're eating with your hands it just kind of goes back to being the basics and like just connect reconnecting again there's something very nice about how messy it is you know and like it's not there's stuff everywhere. Um, one of my favorite random food experiences is eating Costco chicken yes. when I was little, and I would like rip into <laughs> it, and you would like get the thigh. And like, yeah, there's something oh, yeah. very and then visceral about it. Slip this, you know, <laughs> dip it in the sauce. Yeah. You're just like, yes, all that oil. <laughs> yeah, there's a it's a funny phenomenon, right? That like uh, if Ethiopian mm-hmm. cuisine in New York, at least, is like it's acceptable or it's ex- it's expected that you eat with your hands. But no other yeah. food, even though there are healthy traditions of eating with your hands in yeah, all yeah. over yeah. South and Southeast yeah. Asia, uh, East and West Africa. I mean, lots of lots of cultures eat with their hands, but for some reason, like only Ethiopian food. Yeah, is yeah. That I've acceptable. I've been uh, hosting these like. I, well, not hosting, but gathering people to do hands-only dinners. Oh, and nice. we always do Kamayan. That's always like a staple. Oh, my but God. But it's yay. obviously hard because we do some boils and crab boils and Ethiopian. But then, like, you run out of options pretty quickly. Like, you can yeah. do pizza and tacos, of course, but I feel like that's kind of a, <laughs> you know, like, that's yeah. the easy way out. So we've been trying to find other options. Yeah, it's hard. Well, it's now you've got Filipino in your... More, more yeah. Filipino. We'll just, keep, we'll just do Kamayans every time. Um, well, we have to take a quick break, but one in about two minutes, we'll be back with Yana Gilboina. Yay. Patina Restaurant Group offers unparalleled service in New York's most iconic locations, including Lincoln Center, Rockefeller Center, and Macy's Herald Square. 
from meetings and presentations in the glass-walled atrium to galas in the renovated palm house and intimate wedding showers at Yellow Magnolia Cafe, your event will be perfectly imagined and customized at Brooklyn Botanic Garden. You can also enjoy a la carte brunch and lunch at the picturesque Yellow Magnolia Cafe overlooking Lily Pool Terrace. Chef Rob Newton and Chef de Cuisine Morgan Jarrett offer warm, distinctive cuisine with a focus on local vegetables, grains, and sustainably sourced meats and fish. And we're back. You're listening to Why Food. We have Yana Gilbuena from Salo Series joining us today. And we're talking about eating with your hands and Filipino awesome cuisines <laughs> and uh, your book, right? You're working on a book? Yes, Tell I am. Tell us about it. Um, so it's in the final stages. I just checked out the printer in Nashua. North Hampshire. Oh, okay. <laughs> I actually drove to their facility. Um, but my book is called um, No Forks Given. <laughs> Just because <laughs> I get no it's forks. It's a double entendre. Yes, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, and it's about my travel throughout the 50 states. Um, so it will have like little anecdotes and um, also recipes. So. Oh, so you never told us your, your favorite, or maybe mm. not favorite, t- highlights of your trip. Like, really, really good dinners. Oh, my God. Hawaii? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, uh, tell us how, how you got to Hawaii. I know there was, like, a little process there, too. You weren't sure if you were going to go, and then you went, and... Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, it was funny, because um, when I started the whole project, like, it's definitely self-funded... Like, I tried to do an Indiegogo that didn't really do so well, you know? <laughs> and then I was like, you know what? Let's just go. I don't need the money. And I was like, I'll just do the dinners as they are. Um, and it just so happened that this lady, I don't know how she even found me, but she lives in Hawaii. And then she was like, I think what you're doing is so awesome. Who is sponsoring you right now? And I was like, nobody <laughs> I'm like me I'm sponsoring me and then she was like well I'm gonna sponsor you to come to Hawaii Amazing. <laughs> I was like really <laughs> and then she was like yeah I've got miles you can come here I can hook you up with like you know like a friend where you can like stay and all that stuff anyway I ended up staying for a month and a half oh so, wow <laughs> yes <laughs> uh, can you tell us more about just the nomadic lifestyle? Like, how do you, when you first started, how did you fund yourself? How did you even get the contacts in some of these new places like North Dakota to find the venues and make sure that someone could spread the word? <laughs> <laughs> so it's it was really hard, but I think because we're in the social media age, like, thank you, Twitter, and thank you, Facebook, <laughs> because they have been so, I'd say, essential and just like they were my lifeline essentially for like doing these dinners because I would just like put out a call on Facebook and be like hey does anybody know anyone (laughs) in Des Moines Iowa you know (laughs) and obviously there was a lot of research involved like I uh, tried to reach out to like food journalists um, and like the food foodie community or food community Um, not necessarily the Filipino community Mm -hmm. but you know it's like I know there are Filipinos everywhere, but I think food just translates beyond your own, like, you know, ethnic group, Mm -hmm. you know? So they were really supportive, and I'm so, I would say I was so happy that it was well-received in, like, uh, I would say in all the 50 states, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. 
And where else have you gone besides uh, the U.S. and Canada? So I did four cities in Mexico and three cities in Colombia. And I've done numerous ones back in the Philippines <laughs> because I'm like, this is so hilarious. Like, why would you want me to cook for you? <laughs> you know, like, you know this food. <laughs> so <laughs> why, why do they want you? <laughs> I think they just want to see, like, how I interpreted it, mm-hmm. you know. And they're just like, yeah, we eat this all the time, but we want to see your creation. Like, how would you interpret, like, a usual, like, a like adobo, for example, or, like, pancit. So... Yeah. What I've, influences yeah. or what techniques have you picked up along the way that, that have changed? Like, how have your dinners changed from the first one that you did in Florida to the, the, most, the more recent ones that you did in Colombia? Oh, my God. Like, I learned so many kitchen tricks. It was so <laughs> cool. <laughs> like, um, I used to be, like, I would say, like, super traditional where I was like, no, we're going to have heads of garlic. Oh no! And then we're just gonna crush them and then <laughs> peel them and then all these things and I'm just like and then I discovered the world of like peeled garlic <laughs> and I was like oh. wow yeah. <laughs> oh and also like using the sous vide you know mm-hmm. for example like if I only had like two burners like how can I you know still cook something using all these like modern equipment that I didn't know about so I'm so glad that there were like some chef friends that like kind of just took me in and really mentored me along the way so and do you bring on other cooks um in every dinner or volunteers or oh yeah like i love to collaborate like it's it's good because it's like we in collaborations you learn a lot from each other and you know there's the pie is big you know (laughs) what i mean we don't have to be like oh this is my share of the pie you know like we can be in the pie together and make this beautiful flavor, you know? And I think that's what I love. Um, And also there's like so many people who are just like wanting to help out and they're just like, I don't necessarily want to share the, you know, the spotlight. I'm just here as like your, you know, support system. And I appreciate the help whenever I can get because, you know, I travel alone. (laughs) Where do you stay when when you travel or go to a new city? Like how do you... How do you figure it all out? What are the kitchens that you wind up cooking in? Um, how does it all come together? Um, I'm fortunate enough that um, I have like amassed a great network of friends now that if I do go to a certain city, I could be like, hey, I'm coming to visit you. Can I crash on your couch? <laughs> <laughs> um, also, like, just people like basically, oh, I have a friend. They have a cafe or they have a restaurant. Maybe I can connect you and you guys can figure it out, you know? Mm-hmm. So before when I started, it was really hard because I didn't go to culinary school. So I didn't have that network to begin with. So it was like hard just like basically trying to sell myself to people that please trust me in your kitchen. I'm not going to burn it down. (laughs) You will still have your restaurant. (laughs) So you do most of your cooking in restaurant kitchens? Um, I'll take whatever I can get. What's the what's the <laughs> the the most uh, ad hoc, like wing crazy kitchen, kitchen you've setup. ever had to cook in? Um, actually, I did six pop ups in Burning Man, so that was oh really my God. fun. <laughs> what did, wait, you served hot food? I served hot food. That's crazy. In what, Burning Man. How, did, how did you cook the food? <laughs> so they have this thing called like Camp Chef, where it's like a, a two burner like outdoor stove like and propane. like propane propane yeah. yeah and then i also had the the little camper things <laughs> or the yeah. butane thing 
Um, yeah, so I, I, I did that. <laughs> How many people came to this dinner or the two dinners? Um, I fed 200 total. Oh my God. Yeah. Wait, how many courses were there? There were three courses. I kept it like really, you know, did you, simple. Did you bring your own banana leaves? Yeah. What? Oh yeah, I did. Yeah. Oh yeah, I did. They were like frozen. We even like brought in a freezer. And so oh my God. Just, like, Wait, where did you plug the freezer in? Oh, we had a generator. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> just the, like, the thought of the logistics kind of stresses me out. It was kind of, you know, I was like, are we going to be able to pull this off? And I'm like... Well, if not, we're going to eat everything in one night. <laughs> <laughs> what was the main protein? Um, I had pork, I had beef, and I had chicken. Oh, my God. They were all frozen and pre-marinated. So all I did, needed to do was just, like, throw them in. Oh, my God. That yeah. sounds awesome. It was a lot of prep. <laughs> and what were, what were, like, the Burning Man reactions? Were people Had people um, seen your food before or were familiar with it? Or were their minds blown because they were eating Kamayan in the middle of the desert? Yes, <laughs> and eating sand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Texture. But the Just best, yeah. Beautiful, grainy texture. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's great. Um, <laughs> a lot of them were just thankful to have hot food, actually. Um, yeah. Because it's like when you're there in the desert, you just appreciate something good. And I think that's what I loved like doing it there was that people were just so appreciative. Like there was no gnosis turned up because you're eating with your hands. They were just like, thank you so much for cooking. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah. <laughs> so for your upcoming cookbook, how did you pick the recipes that would go in it? You've done so many different variations of things and just different, you know, regional specialties over the years. Um, I kind of had to like backtrack a bit <laughs> because I was like, oh my God, I don't even remember like a lot of the recipes that I've done. Do you write them down? Some of them I did, but then I lost my <laughs> notebook. So yeah, that, that <laughs> happened. Um, <laughs> and I was so sad when I, when I realized that that notebook was gone. But um, I tried to remember as much as I could because I did it through Feastly as well. So mm -hmm. some of my menus were up on Feastly. But then sometimes when I would go to the market, like you just have this like thing where you're just like, I know the menu said chicken, but uh -huh. I see skate wings. I don't know. I love skate wings. You know, <laughs> like, let's just do it. You know, so there's a no lot. No one will know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll tell them. <laughs> yeah. Um, in the last few minutes of oh, yeah. every episode, we uh, do a sort of rapid fire, more personal question. Uh, question okay. segment so we're gonna Ooh, okay switch to that. jenny you want to go first Ooh, go okay first? um how do you take your eggs sunny side up Meat. oh no yeah sunny side up surrounded by porks pork ears and noses and and brain and thai chilies <laughs> right. yes. um what did you eat for lunch as a kid oh um i ate a lot of filipino stews like caldereta menudo whatever mm. my canteen in my school would serve <laughs> pretty much yeah favorite filipino restaurant in the city uh, i would say jeepney mm. yeah what do you think of the the sort of rising trendiness of filipino cuisine in new york I think it's great. Keep going. <laughs> if there's one dish that you could eat um, as the last meal on earth, what would it be? Oh, my God. Sisig with foie gras. Thank you very Ooh. much. <laughs> Wait, have you served this at one of your dinners? Only to myself. <laughs> it's too, too good to share. VIP. Right. Sorry, VIP table, <laughs> a.k.a. mine. <laughs> if you could master a skill overnight, what would it be? Oh, my God. All the French techniques. What about something non-culinary? Oh, 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 karate. Ooh. Why karate? 
you know, as a woman, I need self-defense. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um, if you could be any superhero, who would you be? Oh, my God, that's really hard. I think I would be um, Rogue. Mm. Who's Rogue? Am I what? supposed to know X-Men? this? X-Men? Oh. You know X-Men. Come on, not, you know X-Men. Not well enough to know... <laughs> Okay, fine. Wonder Woman. No, I mean, you don't <laughs> need to change just your tell, answer. Just tell us who Rogue is. Like why? Why, so, do you, why is who yeah, Rogue right, is? Because he's the only me. one who doesn't know. Why? Okay. Why is? Why is that the superhero that you identify with? Okay, I might be like bastardizing Rogue by just saying um, that she has like the ability to like read. No, that's Jean Grey. No, yeah, no, yeah. She's my favorite. Jean Grey's your favorite. <laughs> I'm trying to. Think why I like Rogue now. All right, so if you, <laughs> Maybe if you, you like Jean Grey. <laughs> Maybe it was Jean Grey. If you could invent a, a superhero, or if you could have a superpower, what would it be? Invisibility. Why invisibility? Because oh. um, I like to eavesdrop on people. <laughs> you could be Shadow Cat. She can go through walls. Oh yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. Actually, no, I take it back. Doctor Strange, time travel. Oh yeah, mm. that'll be a good one. Where, where, and when would you travel to? Pre-colonization. <laughs> In, in the Philippines. And see what it was like. Yeah, see what it was like. Like, were there really land bridges? Like, I want to oh. know. Huh. Yeah. A particular Almost city in it? the Philippines or a region? I would say, like, the south. Because I've, I've only been to the south, like, maybe twice in my life. And I think, like, I think we used to be connected to Indonesia. So, and then because of... The Wait, there were the, they tore down the bridges, or like did the islands like shift? The islands shifted. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I'm like, oh, I want to know if it's you know. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> um, so can you tell our listeners a where to find you and b any upcoming events that you have coming up? Um, you can find me on Instagram. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> no, that's yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. okay um, Instagram. It's Salo Series. So S A L O S E R I E S. And same with Facebook and Twitter. Um, and upcoming events. I do have a Mother's Day pop up in San Francisco. Ooh. And then I'm coming back to New York on the 28th. Um, I'll be doing a pop up at Urban Outfitters as oh, like Space a, 98. Yes, yeah. that's right. For like a launch of my book. So hopefully I'll see you guys there. And the book is again called? No Forks Given. And when can we be able to purchase this book? Um, you can pre-order because I am not oh, nice. um, printing more than the allotted copies the, of the What's book. What's the website well, where, where people can pre-order? Um, so it's soloseries.com slash no forks given. And how many copies? Um, as, as many as, as people many order. As people <laughs> order. But right now we're at about like four. 400. Wow. Um, so if I can print up to 500, that would be great. Awesome. <laughs> and uh, I'm Ethan Frisch, and you can find me at Burlap and Barrel on Instagram and burlapandbarrel.com. And yes. I'm Jenny Dorsey. You can find me at, at Chef Jenny Dorsey, and you can find our podcast at, at Why Food Podcast. Um, thank you, Yana, so much for being with us today. If you have more questions, comments, thoughts, um, want more event dates for Yana, please reach <laughs> out to us. Um, we're at whyfood at heritageradio.org. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. 
For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. Well, that's history of mine. I don't know.